Hi, I am Pastor Cham Chilombo and welcome to my podcast where I aim at interacting with you, encouraging you and equipping you for the work of ministry. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Okay, great. So uh, let us pray um, to begin. Father in heaven, we are grateful. We give you praise. We give you honor and we give you glory. We ask that as we will have this conversation, you will take charge and that you will lead us. You will teach us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so um, like, like I said earlier, I think in the, um, in, 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 in the, in the text message that had the, 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 the link on, um, I, I had shared that we would have a conversation on the anointing. And basically, I think that's, that's what it will be. It will not necessarily be a teaching on the anointing. It will be a conversation on the anointing. So this is just like me pouring out my heart uh, and sharing my heart concerning uh, this particular subject. And then I will see if we'll have room to just receive a view or two. But basically, it's a short conversation. Um, on the anointing that we are uh, going to have, and I would love to hear your rendition of 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 the matter. So to begin with, in this conversation, uh, it came I think earlier today. I was talking to my wife, and we we started having a conversation. And then I remembered I was supposed to do a Friday mentorship meeting because I was running around. I forgot I was supposed to do a Friday mentorship meeting. Uh, so I was thinking of what to teach until my wife asked the question, and then we had a conversation. Now, in our conversation, we started talking about the anointing, and I said, oh, uh, perhaps maybe I could, uh, I could share on this particular subject on the anointing and just see where that would actually lead us. So it's a conversation, like I am saying, on the anointing. So to begin with, uh, I want to just say that um, in the long, for the longest of time, uh, and I still stand by that, I've always thought that the anointing is the divine enablement to get the work done, okay? The divine enablement to get the work done. So every time when God wants to use a man, every time when God wants to use a woman, every time when God wants to use an individual, uh, he will anoint the individual, okay? When God wants to use an individual, he anoints the individual. So the anointing is basically the divine enablement, okay? It's the divine enablement that helps one to get something done, okay? Helps one to get the job done. So perhaps if God anoints you to, um, God anoints you to to do a particular assignment, He will pour out an anointing for you to actually um, do that assignment. If God anoints you to work the miraculous, He will pour out an anointing for that. Uh, particular piece of work when you read the old testament you will find that uh, there were people that were anointed for various tasks okay there were people that were anointed for various tasks and uh, if you'd love to learn more on that i think i addressed it in one of the podcasts just go to my podcast on google podcast or whatever podcast platform and i think you will find uh, a teaching where i talk about the anointing so god will anoint every man every woman that he will use some people were anointed for you know to do metal work, you know, some people were anointed to make jewelry. He anointed everyone that was going to do something. Some were anointed to actually make uh, the, 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 the outfits that the priests would wear. The priests themselves were supposed to be anointed uh, to the priesthood. So every time God wants to use someone, he anoints them, okay? Now, uh, in the anointing them itself, I, I know every time we talk about the anointing, people understand the ministerial anointing, which which I will address in a bit because it's a conversation. Uh, but then, firstly, the anointings the anointing is different, like in the sense that um, not every anointing is the same. Okay, maybe let me rephrase that. Uh, not every anointing is the same. Okay, anointings are different. Not every anointing is the same. The anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage is a type of an anointing, okay? The anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage is the type of an anointing. But as you read the scriptures, you will start to discover that there are different types of the anointing and they all have different types of functionalities. Uh, you will find that there's an anointing referred as to as the anointing for gladness. 
it has a different functionality. As you read on, you will start to discover that there is an anointing for war, for warfare, that when it rests on you, you can actually execute warfare at a very, very high level. Why? Because the anointings, though we classify it as one and say the anointing, every anointing has a different functionality. There are different types of anointings. And even the way they feel, they feel different. Uh, the healing anointing will feel different. Um, the anointing to move in a prophetic utterance will feel different. And those that have moved in some of these anointings can probably attest to that and say, the teaching anointing feels a little different from the healing anointing, okay? Or, for example, if you're operating maybe uh, under the power gifts, uh, which is, I think, the gift of faith, the working of miracles and healing, you will discover that the feeling you have when you're operating with the, with the power gifts is a little different when you are experiencing an anointing under the revelatory gifts, which is like the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the prophetic. Okay, in a like manner, when you are experiencing uh, the, 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 sorry, the, the, the other gifts, the, the, the discerning of spirits, which are the more vocal gifts, you know, the discerning of spirits, the diverse kinds of tongues, and etc. When you are operating under those, you also discover that the experience of that is different. For example, when I operate like with the vocal gifts, maybe like the diverse kinds of tongues, Sometimes when I begin to sing in the spirit, I feel something like a belly welling up on the inside and I will begin to sing in the spirit or pray in an unusual tongue and then interpret it. And usually that's how it happens. I'll be praying in the spirit and then I will speak in my understanding what I felt the Lord was actually saying. So the, 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 the feelings are different, okay? They all feel different. When you operate the power gifts, because of the energy it requires to sometimes work a miracle, you will find that the power gifts come with a different surge of power, okay? For you to work a creative miracle, literally that you defy, you know, matter, you defy the laws of physics, and you pull out uh, a leg and it grows out, or you, like Jesus walked on water, that was actually a mixture of the gift of faith and the working of miracles, okay? So it took the gift of faith and it took the working of miracles to defy the laws of uh, of physics. So all those giftings feel differently. They feel di they feel differently, and they carry a, a whole different uh, anointing altogether. Because um, even though the anointing can be classified as one, we'll all say the anointing, but there are different types of anointings. Now today I want to share on two types of anointings. Usually when I share something like this, because it's a conversation, there's a part which I want to be our conversation really. So this is me just, you know, chasing many rabbits, you know, trying to buy some time before I can get to what I'm referring to as our conversation. So today is not really like sermon structured, if you, if you will. So if I don't sound so sermon oriented, it feels like I'm chasing many rabbits. I'm touching this now and I'm touching this on the other time. Don't, don't assume uh, I'm, I'm not giving you your uh, quote-unquote type of sermon, okay? I'm basically just chasing many rabbits. Now, they, 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 when I address this type of subject, usually I'll address uh, either, number one, the believer's anointing, number two, then I'll address the ministerial anointing, then I'll go into the corporate anointing, okay? Uh, today I want to talk about just two forms of the anointing, which is the believer's anointing and then the ministerial anointing, and then I think we'll address it from that particular point of view and have our conversation so the believer's anointing is a dimension of the anointing which I will address now. Okay, so the believer's anointing is the anointing that one receives at salvation. And I think we see that in 1 John 2.27, uh, that believer's anointing is actually addressed in 1 John chapter number 2 and verses number 27. 1 John chapter number 2 and verses number uh, 27. What does it say? Um, in verses 27, it says, As for you, the anointing you have received from him remains in you and you do not need that any man teach you but that anointing teaches you about all things and and that anointing is real and not counterfeit just as it has taught you remain in him okay for for the believers anointing that you have received i think the other version actually puts it abides within you so the believers anointing is received at salvation 
okay? The believer's anointing is received at salvation. When you are born again, that is when you receive the believer's anointing. And we're being told in 1 John 2.27 that that believer's anointing abides within us, okay? And teaches us all things and we do not need that any man teach, teach us. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that when you get saved and you receive the believer's anointing, you don't need that any man teach you, okay? Is that what the scripture is saying? Because I've heard many people refer to that scripture and say, well, I have the believer's anointing. And based on that believer's anointing, um, you know, I like the, the, the first John 2.27, I don't need that any man teach me because that anointing teaches me. No, what that scripture is talking about is that it's talking about discernment. There are certain things that you may not have necessarily read about. And some of you can probably attest to this. You'll tell me in the comment section. There are, there are some of you, you discover that um, there are certain things you've never necessarily read in the scriptures, but someone will introduce them to you and you will know that this is not right. For example, you may not have sufficient scripture to defend that a believer shouldn't be drinking or taking alcohol. Okay, but by virtue of the believer's anointing, if someone told you and shared a proper disposition of why you should drink, you would discover that it will not resonate within you because that believer's anointing is what guides you through your walk with God. Okay, for example, you would discover someone can actually share scriptures and quote them for you. And you may not even understand them. You just got saved two days ago and you receive the believer's anointing. Someone tells you, well, you know, kissing is all right in a relationship where we are not married. It is all right, you know, doesn't the book, you know, the, 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 the writer of the Song of Songs say, you know, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, you know, for your love is better than wine and blah, blah, blah. blah. And they quote all those scriptures, you know, greet each other and with a holy kiss. And, you know, there's all those scriptures that they would actually quote for you, okay? And they'll read all those scriptures for you and say, now, Monana Bible, that, you know, you, you are supposed to greet each other with a holy kiss, you know? If the Bible can allow it just for greeting, how much more for us in a relationship? This is someone giving you a, a carnal sermon. But by virtue of the believer's anointing, you would discover that in as much as you may not necessarily have the scripture, you would discover that that believer's anointing will help you discern between what is right and what is wrong. Because the believer's anointing actually helps you discern between right and wrong. It teaches you and you need not that any man teach you. So there are certain things in which you may not necessarily be in a place where you have the uh, theological knowledge of it, but you can pick it within you that this does not resonate with the scriptures, okay? So that is what the believer's anointing is for. But then the believer's anointing abides within you, okay? It's different from the ministerial anointing, which we'll look at uh, a little later from now uh, in a few minutes. You know, the believer's anointing is different from the ministerial anointing. We are told that the believer's anointing abides. It's within you, okay? Secondly, the believer's anointing is a little different from the ministerial anointing, which comes upon you and can be increased, okay? The believer's anointing cannot be increased. However, it could be natured. That is why in Job chapter number, uh, is it Job chapter number 29 and verses number 6, I think. That should be correct. Job 29 and verses number 6 tells us that, you know, when I washed my steps with butter, I think the flinty rocks poured me out rivers of oil. They were gushing with oil. So what that is telling you is that when uh, the butter there is representative of the word of God, okay? So when you saturate yourself in devotion to the word of God, you nature the believer's anointing, okay? So to... Uh, just give you a highlight of our conversation and where we are. What I'm saying is that the believer's anointing, number one, the believer's anointing is received at salvation. Number two, the believer's anointing abides within you. Number two, the believer's anointing will help you discern between what is right and what is wrong. Okay? So you nurture the believer's anointing by the word of God, by your personal devotion. The believer's anointing is what you carry 24-7. There's never a day that the believer's anointing left you. Okay, there's never a day that the believer's anointing took off. 
the believer's anointing is abiding within you 24-7. Okay, great. We've established that. And we've established that it's natured by the word of God. Okay, then now there's another dimension of the anointing that is referred to as the ministerial anointing. Okay, the ministerial anointing. Now, the ministerial anointing is what many people want when they say, I want to be anointed. I want God to pour out an anointing over my head, over my life. That is the ministerial anointing. And we see part of that uh, because we see Acts chapter number one, verses number uh, number eight, you shall receive power. But let's, let's just go there, which is a common portion of scripture. But let me read it for you. Um, because I want to build okay. Let me read from Luke 24 49 because I want to build it from there. Luke 24 49, uh, which is also another common one, says, Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Okay, this was referring to the ministerial anointing. Acts chapter number one and verses number eight. Acts chapter number one and verses number eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, so remember at that particular time, they had already received the authority. Okay, they already had received the authority. And before even the Holy Spirit had come, remember they had cast out some devils. They had received some authority, but they didn't have the power. They didn't have that anointing that was going to come with the person of the Holy Spirit, but they had the authority, okay? Because the authority is received within the commission, but the power is received within the encounter. Okay, let me say that again. The authority is received within the commission. So you have the authority to the extent that you have understood and apprehended the commission, but you only receive the power in the encounter. That is why many people... Um, by virtue of knowing their assignment, okay, by virtue of knowing their assignment, there's a certain level of authority that is conferred over your life. But in the encounter, that is where you actually receive the power, okay? So we see this promise, Luke 24, 49, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. But at that particular point in time, they had some level of authority, but it's telling them to tarry in Jerusalem until they are endued with power. Acts chapter number one and verses number eight, uh, they are told, you know, the, the same cry remains. Okay, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Acts chapter number two, okay, Acts chapter number two tells us something. Acts chapter number two, verses number one through four is the fulfillment of all these things. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, that is when the encounter came and they had received the anointing of the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit uh, or the Holy Spirit is not the power, but he came with the power. That is why it says when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. It's like saying when Pastor Cham comes, you will receive money. It does not necessarily mean Pastor Cham is money, but it means that when he comes, he will come with the money. When your dad comes, he will come with the food. The dad is not the food, but when he came, he came with the food. So they're being told when the person of the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. Now, the power that is being talked about here is an anointing upon, an anointing to rest upon them. So we've established that the believer's anointing abides within the believer. And that believer's anointing rests within the believer 24-7. And it helps the believer discern between right and wrong. It's what is sustained by your devotion. That's the believer's anointing, your personal devotion with God. Okay, then there's the ministerial anointing which comes upon you for ministry and for ministry on, only. So when that anointing rests upon you, that's the ministerial anointing. It comes on you to minister, to manifest a certain dimension of God. But when you are done manifesting that dimension of God, that ministerial anointing leaves, leaves you, okay? For example, there are times in which I will go to a meeting, I will start off from home, and I'll go to a meeting. The believer's anointing abides within me. It's there 24-7. I am sleeping, it's there. 
I'm not feeling it, but it's there because it abides within me. I received it at salvation and I have it 24-7, okay, that assists me in my walk with God. But then the ministerial anointing may not be on me at that particular time. But when I get to ministry, to minister, that is when now the ministerial anointing comes on me and then I can minister effectively. Okay, now this is where our conversation in the anointing is starting and I'll share briefly, then we can have a small little chat. So I'm, I'm backing up. The, ministry, the, the believer's anointing is within me 24-7. Okay, it helps me discern between right and wrong. I nature it by my personal devotion. I nature it by the word of God. Okay, great. But the ministerial anointing is not on me 24-7. In fact, it's, not, it's, 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 it's almost not possible to have the ministerial anointing rest on you 24-7 because your adrenaline can sometimes be so high when that anointing is re resting on you. That is why I'd read of a story of a Zulu evangelist. I think Randy Clark had shared it in one of his books. It was a story of this Zulu evangelist who uh, like, would have the ministerial anointing rest on them for a very long time. It will rest on them for a very long time that even when they got back uh, home from the meeting, the anointing was so strong on them that the miracles that were happening in his meeting were so intense that, you know, they would have to get a two-ton lorry truck to carry the wheelchairs and the crutches, okay? Because there were so many people that were healed that they had to look for a two-ton lorry truck. But the anointing would not leave his uh, body, the ministerial anointing would not leave his body, you know, um, just so quickly because it was so strong that he would find himself finding it hard to sleep because when the that anointing is on you it's even difficult to sleep it's it's so it's so strong over your 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 body that it's difficult to sleep your adrenaline is so high everything is so amplified everything is so elevated so a well-meaning friend this was someone well-meaning but the enemy used them told them ah by the way if you take a little whiskey it will help you relax your nerves it will help you rest so that is how on one night after a crusade, I think the anointing was still so strong, he couldn't sleep. And I've experienced this before when you are done with a ministry session, but the anointing has not left. And usually this happens when you had such a heavy consecration in preparation for the ministry session. And you minister and the anointing just doesn't leave you like that. It's still on you. And even when you go back home, it's still resting on you. And it takes, you know, some time to have it just like leave or take off. That is what my friend and I used to call, you know, I'm looking for a diluter, you know, just listen to some hip hop gospel to help dilute that anointing. I don't know if it ever worked, but it was what we would call a diluter just to help it dilute. Anyway, that is me and my friend joking. But then it was so strong on him. So after a crusade, a well-meaning friend told him, well, you can take some whiskey, just a bit. It will help you relax your nerves. And for sure, he took it and it helped relax his nerves, you know, and he slept that night. But then. The other time he took it, he took a little too much. And before he knew it, he became a drunk and he lost the anointing that God had actually given him, lost his ministry and lost everything that God had given him. So it came from a well-meaning advice, but he lost it. Okay, so that anointing is on you for a particular functionary. And when you're done with that functionary, that anointing leaves. Okay, the spirit of God would come upon the prophets in the Old Testament. And when the spirit of God would come upon um, the prophets, they would prophesy, they would do miracles, and then the Spirit of God would lift off, okay? The anointing of the Spirit would come upon Samson. The Holy Spirit, the hand of the Lord would rest upon him, okay? Samson would do all these things, and then that anointing, when he was done, would lift off, okay? That anointing would lift off. So that ministerial anointing is not on you 24-7. It comes upon you for a functionary, and when that functionary is done, after some time, that anointing would actually lift off and um, leave your body, okay? But then the believer's anointing will still be with you 24-7. Now, the protocols, like I said, the believer's anointing cannot be grown, but it can be natured. So you will find that the protocols of growing the ministerial anointing, and allow me to use growing because I don't want to interchange between growing and naturing. Okay, like I've, I've said that you can't grow the believer's anointing, but you can nature it, okay? You can actually nature it to, to a certain place, okay? So, but allow me to use growing for lack of uh, language to give expression to this. So, for example, the protocols of growing the believer's anointing are different 
to the protocols of actually growing the ministerial anointing. So now, these two anointings function differently. Now, many people know how to grow the ministerial anointing, but don't necessarily know how to grow. Remember, I'm using it loosely, but don't necessarily know how to grow the believer's anointing. So, excuse me, they know how to grow the ministerial anointing, but they don't know how to grow the believer's anointing. So it's like, I can grow the ministerial anointing and minister effectively, but then I can't live effectively as a believer because I have not learned how to nature the, the believer's anointing, which is with me 24-7 as a believer, as a child of God. So you will find that when you have learned how to grow the ministerial anointing, you will know what triggers it. You will consecrate yourself, prepare yourself for a ministry session, and you will discover that when you go for a ministry session, the anointing will rest on you heavily, strongly, in a very mighty way. But then you will discover that when you are done ministering and ministering powerfully, you will wonder why you are struggling with lust. Okay? And many people ask me this question. They come to me and say, Pastor Cham, but then he's a powerful man of God. She's a powerful woman of God. She ministers powerfully. He ministers powerfully. Miracles are wrought through his ministry. Signs and wonders happen through that person's ministry. But I wonder how that they still say certain things, strange things when they are talking, they are flirting, they are, you know, they are sexting. Now I hear there's such a thing. They are sharing all sorts of funny conversations. It's because they have known how to grow the ministerial anointing, but they've not learned how to nature the believer's anointing, which is something you actually work with as a believer in the course of your life. So to the degree that you learn how to minister, how to nature the uh, ministerial anointing, you will be powerful on stage, but you will be weak in your personal life as a believer. Okay, so you could be mighty, mighty, mighty man, challenge principalities, challenge powers, challenge thrones, and all these things on the pulpit. But if you've not learned how to nature the believer's anointing, what you would discover is that in your own personal life, one little small story can come and it brings anxiety to you. And you wonder, why am I having anxiety? Yet I was challenging powers, delivering people, casting out devils. Yes, you were powerful on stage because of that anointing, but then because you've not learned how to nature the believer's anointing due to personal devotion, I mean via your personal devotion, you will discover that in your personal life you will be failing, but on the pulpit you will be mighty. It's, it's a tragedy, I can tell you. It's a tragedy, and sometimes the anointing can even become like a drug because you realize that when you are under that anointing, Nothing shakes you. No fear can come your way. You are under a powerful ministry anointing. So you will always be desiring to want to be under that anointing to the extent that you will always either be on, in a meeting or preparing for a meeting because you want to be under that influence of an anointing that makes you overcome principalities, powers, makes you overcome every fear, whatever it is that comes your way under that anointing, you can't be moved. You can't be shaken. You can't. Literally. Sometimes you will discover when you're not under that anointing, you can see someone manifesting and you begin to tremble. Under that anointing, you will see someone manifesting saying, I am from the underworld. I have come to kill pastors. And you just say, shut up. Get out of that person. And they leave. Then outside that, if you've not learned how to nature the believer's anointing, in your normal day-to-day -day walk, you will see someone manifest and you'll be scared. You will receive bad news and you will be trembling, okay? You will be in a place where you can minister to someone effectively, but if a situation hits you as a family, you are trembling. You are wondering how is it that you were able to deliver someone from the shackles of the enemy, but then when those particular challenges came your way, you were not able to deal with those particular things. Because you learned how to nature the ministerial anointing, but you didn't know how to actually nature the believer's anointing. So that is why you find that many people are failing in their personal lives 
but are doing well on the pulpit. Why? Because they can prepare, they can prepare for a ministry session, but they don't have personal devotion. When there's no meeting, their prayer life dies. Their word study dies. Everything just shuts down because they are not working on their personal life. Now, my conversation is here. Remember, by the way, before I can even go into my just a short story and my conversation with you, remember, Samson would never be challenged by the Philistines. They knew that Samson was a mighty man. When the hand of the Lord rests upon Samson, oh my, oh my, the Philistines should never dare testing Samson, should never dare threatening him. They would try it, but even when they do, he would literally scatter them. Why? Because he was under the influence of an anointing. When the ministerial anointing rests on Samson, he would challenge nations. He would lift the gates of Gaza from Gaza to Hebron. I mean, for crying out loud, if you've looked at some of you who've done uh, more cultural, geographical surveys, you would discover that Gaza to Hebron is about 45 miles. Yet Samson would lift the gates of Gaza from Gaza to Hebron, lifting the gates of an entire city for 45 miles because the spirit of the Lord had come upon Samson. But yet Samson fell in Delilah's lap. Because he had not nature, I won't say the believer's anointing, because at that particular time in the Old Testament, they didn't have the believer's anointing, but they still had to develop a personal relationship with their God. So Samson, under that anointing, was a mighty man. Outside that anointing, he could fall under Delilah's lap. That is why there are many people under the anointing, lust can't shake them. But outside the anointing, because they've not learned how to nature the believer's anointing, they can't stand. They're wondering, and then they minister powerfully, but they still can't stand. Okay, so it's very, very important. There are certain issues we are dealing with, and it's not just with sin, okay? Because many of you are thinking, well, if I've not developed the believer's anointing, it's just sin, you know? No, 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 it, it's not just sin. It can be anxiety. It can be depression. You wonder that when you're given to lead fellowship prayer meetings, it seems everything fades away. Everything fades away. You are just on fire for God. Everything is just flowing. But then outside that anointing, you discover you are a lonely person. There are many anointed men are lonely. Why? They never lent to nature the believer's anointing. But they, this, is, um, this, is, this is something I'm telling you because some people have actually uh, crafted. And of course, I mean, the anointed life or the life that you know, many anointed men live is actually limited to a few friends. But people, some people have developed theology to say being anointed means you are lonely. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Okay? There's a difference there. So sometimes we've developed theology to say when you are anointed, you are a lonely man. No, you, it's not supposed to be like that. You can be alone. You can be separated. You can be consecrated. You can be set apart. But lonely, no, 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 no. And we've developed theology like this sometimes as men of God, okay? Because we've learned how to develop the ministerial anointing, but we've not learned how to develop the believer's anointing. That is why you will find that many men will not love their personal time. They'll always be looking forward to that time when they get to minister because that's when everything is amplified, when people are applauding you, when everything is up there, okay? Now, uh, I want to share a story with you uh, which in which God had actually taught me. Now, I had already known these things, but I had died down on my personal devotion. This is where my conversation is, and then we can have a few uh, uh, interactions here and there, and I'll be, I'll be done. There was a time in which, um, you know, I had died down on my personal devotion. And what had caused the dying down of my personal devotion, I remember, was when uh, my dad had actually passed. I was so traumatized by that. Excuse me. I was so traumatized by that. And my personal devotion just died. You know, I just stopped pursuing God. I just stopped going after God. I was wondering. And it wasn't intentional, but it happened. And anyway, there's never excuses to these things. But then I was just traumatized by the experience. And some people's personal devotion can die due to a traumatic experience. You know, it, the enemy will use that and take advantage. My personal devotion had just died. But then I was ministering. I did heaven come just two or three weeks after his passing. You know, then we moved. I went, did heaven come, Mufulira. I was in Mulungushi. I, I was literally everywhere. 
you know, doing meetings, doing scribes, doing this, doing that, doing trainings. I was literally ministering. I could prepare myself for a session and minister powerfully. But when I was alone, I was being tormented by fear and anxiety. I didn't know why. And I started to wonder, Lord, how is it that I'm ministering powerfully? I'm delivering people from fear. I'm delivering people from anxiety, depression. If it's depression, fear, I don't even joke with it. I would just in a meeting, and I say this in the humblest sense, I would not even joke with it. I would just make a declaration and it's gone. Depression gone, anxiety gone. I was dealing with certain situations, yet in my own personal life, I had anxiety and I had deep fear, like deep fear. Deep fear, honestly. I, I, I was wondering, why is this happening? One night, I remember laying on my bed. I remember I was laying on my bed, and I will not share this story in detail. I think there's a podcast in which I actually shared this. I don't know if I uploaded it due to it's how personal it was, but then I think there's a podcast somewhere. Either on, anywhere. There's a podcast somewhere. So I was laying down on my bed, and when I was laying down on, on my bed, I heard, uh, I think it's in a podcast called Free From Fear or Fear, Deliverance From Fear or Fear, something fear-oriented. Just search Pastor Champ Fear on Google Podcasts and I think you'll find it. I was laying on my bed and when I was laying on my bed, I heard the, the devil, the enemy literally told me, I will kill you. I will take away your life. Literally, and I felt like my, 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 my spirit was leaving my body. I knew I would, I, would, I, would, I would die, you know, and he kept on tormenting me with fear, with anxiety. I started to have thoughts that one day, and some of you here, you're dealing with fear, you're feeling this thing, where you're powerful when you're taught to preach, but then in your personal life, you feel like you will just fall down and die. That was me. I just started to feel like one day I would just fall down and die in town. Like I would just collapse, and that would be the end of me. I started to have all these thoughts. The enemy started to, you know, just punch in all these thoughts, like you will just fall down and die one day in town that I started getting scared of going out to say, if I'm going to die, I would rather die in my house. I don't want to collapse from in town. I don't want to fall down somewhere, you know, on a car, on a bus or something. I don't want that to happen to me. I was living in torment. I was living in fear. Yet when I was given time to minister, I would minister powerfully. The anointing would be so strong over my life. Now, one night, I remember, uh, I think I was invited for... Um, for Dominion Night, I think I was invited for Dominion Night at, uh, at City of the Lord. I think with with, uh, with Apostle Fred, I was invited to minister at Dominion Night there. Uh, but then I, the previous night, I was laying on my bed and anxiety just tormented me. These things just tormented me, depression, and I just felt all these things. Okay, this is not. Let me tell you, this is not when I was, you know, still trying to figure out my life as a believer. No. I was ministering, I was leading ministries, okay? I was holding conferences with thousands of people coming, okay? But I was tormented by anxiety, fear, and a lot of things were just coming my way. I remember the night of the, the overnight, I couldn't literally drive because of the anxiety. Like, literally, my, my face was twitching. You know, I was literally twitching because of the anxiety. I would like twitch. And I was just wondering, why am I experiencing this? I couldn't drive that. I remember Owen had to drive me to the overnight. Okay, and he's getting married tomorrow. Praise God for him. Okay, I, he had to drive me to the overnight. I remember he drove me there and Dasson was playing the keyboard for me. I remember walking at the city of the Lord. I walked into the, the, the church and I go to the front and I held the microphone. When I held the microphone, I led them in one prayer and the power of God broke out. Like it literally broke out. In that moment, there was no fear I was experiencing. No fear whatsoever. I wasn't experiencing any fear. I was literally experiencing the power of God in an unusual way. Every form of anxiety I was experiencing vanished. If anything, what I discovered that was it was more it was more difficult to be in a place of doubt, if I can put it like that. It was really difficult to just doubt. That it was the most difficult thing to doubt in that atmosphere. It was the most difficult thing I remember. Literally, I was 
I was, I, I, I want to say this in the most humble sense, but I want to share the weight of what this means to me. Literally, heaven like came down. I was literally bridging heaven and earth. You know, there was angelic activity. The power of God was just literally moving in the, in the session. That I got slain in the session also. But it was so strong. And then I left that uh, meeting when I was done. I went to another overnight. I was ministering at two overnights that night. I went to Apex. I, I think it was Wem Unza or something. Uh, Wem Apex at Natisanga. Something like that. Of that sort. I ministered again. The power of God was amazing. You know. And I went back home. And I lay on my bed after those ministry sessions. And when I lay on my bed, deep fear came. Anxiety came. I was being tormented. Literally, I was being tormented. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I was, I was under torment. I remember, I don't know if Steve is here. I think I, I saw Steve here. Steve was the only person I probably shared with because he's been one of the people that has interceded for me for the longest time that I almost feel like, unless God tells me otherwise, I could literally trust him with my life to say, Steve, my life depends on your prayers. Like literally he's devoted his life to praying for me. He's, I think the only person apart from my wife, he's the only person that I think I could say, Steve, I'm not able to pray, but my life depends on your prayer. Pray. He's the guy I called and I said, Steve, I want you to pray for me. I'm dealing with things. I didn't tell him exactly. I just told him, I want you to pray for me. And he started praying for me, praying for me. And I know there were other people I told, I don't know if they prayed, but I trust Steve prayed. Okay. He prayed for me and he prayed and he prayed. I was still dealing with deep anxiety, deep fear. And I was wondering, but why is it that I can manifest powerfully? The week later, I went to another meeting. I was flowing, but there was deep anxiety, deep pain, depression. I was feeling all these things. Sometimes I would be crying in my bedroom and I don't know why I'm crying. Sometimes I would wake up sad and I don't know why I'm sad. No one wronged me. Everything's okay. I have the money. Everything is going well, but it's just not working. I don't know why. And I went to one session of Bread of Life and the pastor there started teaching and uh, he was a pastor from the US and he says, if you're experiencing fear, I want to pray for you. And I didn't want to go because of course I was a minister and the enemy was telling me, look at all these men of God. Look at all these people that are there. Look at you. Come with some of your mentees. They'll look at you in a weird way that you went to the front to get prayed over because you are experiencing fear or you are tormented by fear and anxiety. But I couldn't hold it any longer. I didn't want to stay under the bondage of fear. So I stood up and I went to the front and he laid hands on me. And I remember Pastor Ebotosi just looking at me. He's like, oh, okay, Pastor Cham is dealing with fear also. And I went to the front and the man of God that was there just laid hands on me. People were looking, oh, that's Pastor Cham. Just laid hands on me and he prayed and, you know, asked the devil to let go of my life. Literally, literally asked the devil, let go of his life in Jesus' name. I didn't even know if he understood that, but of course he was being led by the spirit. So it's obvious. Let go of his life free from fear. And he moved on to the next one and he kept on praying. And then when I went home, the Holy Spirit then started to um, speak to me. And, he, and that's why if you're here, it doesn't matter uh, what position you are in. You, and I sense an anointing, like my hands just feel very heavy for some reason. Because when, every time I talk about this, I sense a different anointing. And the reason is because I know what it means to be in a place of, of fear, where you are in bondage to fear. But then the Holy Spirit then started telling me, Chum, you neglected your personal devotion. Okay? You if you miss everything, this is my point. You neglected your personal devotion. You would prepare for meetings. You knew what fast, what prayer and fasting, what consecration would get you on fire. You knew what, you know, uh, type of prayer to pray. You knew how to position yourself to prepare for a meeting. You were growing in the ministerial anointing, but you were not growing in the believer's anointing. That is why you could be powerful on stage, but tormented by anxiety. Literally, I'll call them spirits. Those don't even say it's just anxiety. Those are spiritual forces tormenting you. Okay, by the way, I'm not going to go into, uh, was I possessed? No. 
there's a difference between being oppressed and being possessed, okay? I was literally being oppressed by these things, okay? And some people are oppressed. You know, many, many believers are oppressed by these things. And I was literally being oppressed by these things. And the Lord told me the reason why is they would wait for you. When you go for a session, they'll say, it is okay, let him flow. <laughs> some of you are being allowed to flow. You go for a prayer meeting, allow her to go. If anything, you don't spend so much time in the prayer meeting. You spend more time in your personal time. That is why you should constantly nature the believer's anointing by your personal devotion. You go for a meeting, you flow, you flow, you come back and anxiety dawns on you. And you wonder how. It's because the believer's anointing has not been dealt with. You minister powerfully, you're dealing with lust in your personal time. You know, it seems you just can't avoid it. You know, because the believer's anointing hasn't been natured. And that is how the Holy Spirit then put me on a deep consecration. And the consecration was a consecration of the Word of God. I started reading chapters, large chunks. And I started having my personal devotion. Now, my personal devotion wasn't as intense as my ministerial devotion. Now, I don't want to go into that again because there is differences between my personal devotion and my ministerial devotion. So when I'm preparing for ministry, there's a way in which I have a ministerial devotion. But when I'm doing my personal devotion, which should be daily, there's a way in which I do it. It's less intense, but it's consistent. Okay? It's less intense, but it should be consistent. Because my ministerial devotion, I can't manage to do it every day. It would kill me. Literally, it would. The way I prepare for conferences, sometimes, especially the, the chosen generation conferences or the heaven come conferences, the way I prepare for those, if I decided to be doing that every day, it would kill me. Literally. Not just, you know, not the death, not the dying to the flesh. No, it would literally kill me. So, I have a personal devotion and a ministerial devotion. So, God started differentiating it to say, this is how you do ministerial devotion. This is how you do personal devotion. Your personal devotion may not be so intense, but it will be consistent. So that's when I would do two hours every day, one hour, you know, three hours every day of prayer. Then I would read a number of chapters. When I'm preparing for a meeting, I can do eight hours, nine hours, ten hours, you know, forget food like food doesn't exist. You know, I would go for all those number of hours. Okay, but in my personal devotion, I would do three hours, two hours in a day. But I just made sure it was consistent. And what I noticed is that like Job 29, when I washed my steps with butter, the rock poured me rivers of oil. If the flinty rocks poured me rivers of oil. I discovered that when I was naturing the believer's anointing. I don't want to talk about the ministerial anointing because many of you have. But when I was naturing the believer's anointing through my personal devotion, personal work, I wasn't only praying when I had a meeting. I wasn't only fasting. when I was naturing it day to day. I discovered that the things I was battling, I was no longer battling with them. Why? Because even in my personal time, I had a devotion with God. And the believer's anointing helped me discern between right and wrong. I was able to have an accurate discernment, accurate sharpness. I could resist all the wows and you know, traps of the enemy that came when I was not under a ministerial anointing. So today you may be wondering, Pastor Cham, how is it that when I go for a prayer meeting, I'm on fire? How is it when, I, when I'm in fellowship, I'm on fire? How is it that when I'm asked to do something, I'm on fire, but yet in my personal life, I'm dealing with lust. I'm dealing with anxiety. I'm dealing with uh, fear. I'm dealing with all these things in my personal life. It may be that you have accurate preparation for your ministerial ventures, but you don't have accurate devotion in your day-to-day -day walk with God. I can assure you, it seems so simple. It seems so simple to say, I pray every day for two hours and I read five chapters of the Bible. It seems so simple to say that that's what you do daily. But that is very powerful. Actually, I would say it's more powerful that, than praying for 10 hours one day and going off for the next month. You are better off having a personal devotion. And when you have a personal administration, which we'll deal with later, uh, be differentiating between personal devotion and ministerial devotion. 
okay? Then you will discover the consistent flow of just doing devotion with God, having those moments. And you will discover that your personal devotion has no, uh, how do I put this? Personal devotion has no pressure whatsoever. You know, it's like what me and John Lungo say. He say, when you are having personal devotion, you see, because when you're doing ministerial devotion, the aim is different. That's why I want to separate them so I can teach later because you you will think I'm trying, I'm not sounding right. But in my ministerial devotion, my aim is to get to the mountain top. That's my aim, to get anointed, to get on fire. So in my ministerial devotion, I am aiming to go really high. So there's so much pressure on me to literally go high, to ascend so high. That's in my, that's why there's so much pressure on ministerial devotion. You want to go high. You are pushing, pressing so that you can ascend high to deliver high. But in my personal devotion, I, it's devotion be, between me and God. I am not rushing. Imagine if you, you are in a relationship with someone and they are like so quick. Hi, how are you? How, how, how are you feeling? Okay, they want to rush and just go to the highest point of the conversation. It will not be a good relationship. But, so in my personal devotion, there is no rush. I can wake up and I'm not rushing to go into firing bullets all over. In my personal devotion, I can I can sit in the living room, put on some music. It will be playing, pull me a little closer, take me a little deeper. And I'm just listening. And sometimes I will listen, I'll sing along, I'll soak. Then I'll pray in tongues, maybe for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Then I'll go for, you know, then I'll read the, the scriptures. Then I'll pray again. Then I'll go back to a scripture, then meditate on it for 20. Before I know it, sometimes it may not be so tense, but I'll be so fulfilled deep on the inside. I may not sense the anointing the way I would sense in my ministerial devotion, but I'll, I'll feel this fulfillment, this wholeness, this aliveness on the inside, if you can. Okay, I'll feel this aliveness due to my personal devotion. That day you can tell me, Pastor Cham, there is this bad news that has come. And I'll just look at you and I'll sometimes just smile and say, okay, God will deal with it. Why? Because there's this saturation of the presence of God within my soul that came from personal devotion. Okay? Came from personal devotion. And that was how God delivered me from that. Of course, I knew about all this, but I'd forgotten. And that's how God had reminded me and helped me do with my personal devotion and I was now effective. There were things that I would never deal with. You will, I would never do. I would never struggle with. Why? Because devotion is intact. Okay? The other side is sometimes, now the reverse, which I will not go into today because today I was really focusing on the believer's anointing. The reverse is that you can be good with your personal devotion, but you are not good with your ministerial devotion. Hence, in your day-to-day -day activities, you will be okay. But when you go on stage, you will embarrass us. Okay, so that's not my point for the night. Okay, so I'm done here. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, but now I'll try and have a few, uh, um, a few in inputs. Anyone has something to say, uh, we'll do that now. Okay.